Welcome, everybody, to the water cooler. I'm in Virginia Beach this week reporting from this wonderful part of the country. Uh, Boy, speaking about the country, we have got an election coming up. And I welcome you to the show because it is Monday, November 2nd. And guess what? If my math is correct, that means tomorrow is November 3rd. And we all know what that means. Get ready for a bunch of crazy, crazy, and oh, yeah, crazy. The president campaigning in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's one of five stops he's going to make today. He'll be in North Carolina. He's got Wisconsin, a couple in Michigan, and in Pennsylvania as well. Then there is Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden uh, has got to shore up the African-American vote. He was in Cleveland uh, doing that in Ohio, specifically trying to take Ohio away from Donald Trump. Good luck with that. That's going to be uh, tough sledding uh, for Joe Biden. We're going to talk with the former mayor of Baltimore about all of that in the show today. And also, the state of Pennsylvania, as we've been talking about time and time again, it is in a, such an important state. The city of brotherly love, the Steelers, the Eagles, the Liberty Bell, all of that, and yes, the most hotly contested presidential race in the country. Scott Rasmussen will be here to dissect and decipher all of that coming up in the show. But first, our newsmaker, Newt Gingrich, back with us on the program. He is uh, the author of the new book, Trump and the American Future, uh, solving, I'm going to get that right now, Newt, solving the great problems of our time. I'll get it right eventually if I can read correctly. Newt, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm delighted. It's always fun to be with you. Newt, I've got to just start with the question you know I'm going to ask. Uh, where are you at? Where's the mind, the headspace right now in terms of a prediction of what's going to happen on Election Day? I think uh, Trump wins with 324 electoral votes. I think that uh, the um, left is, will be in total shock by the end of the evening. Trump will get a, <laughs> a much larger share of the black vote than any Republican since 1960. Uh, He will do surprisingly well with Latinos. Uh, He will have an enormous, almost unimaginable turnout in rural and small town America. Um, I was just being told a while ago about a Trump rally in Arizona that had 96 miles of cars Mm -hmm. with Trump flags, 96 miles. Uh, yeah. That's a level of enthusiasm. You watch two or three uh, Biden events, and then you watch two or three Trump events. You can't have any doubt about where the weight of enthusiasm is. In fact, my guess, we've not been able to do the math, but my guess is that there are more people at one Trump rally than at every Biden event this fall combined. That's how big the difference is. A good friend of mine is from Rome, Georgia. Uh, and last night, Donald Trump had somewhere between 30 and 50,000 people. Rome has a population of 36,000. So he may have actually had more people in Rome than, uh, than, than lived there. They came in wow. from Tennessee, from uh, Alabama, uh, all across North Georgia. I just think that's going to be a weight of excitement, enthusiasm that by tomorrow night will make Trump uh, reelected. 
You know, Newt, we're seeing some of that video that we were just showing, that Trump enthusiasm video. What are we supposed to really make of it from an analytical data standpoint? Because, I mean, well, I say anecdotal. I mean, it, anecdotally, it looks amazing. Uh, but will it translate uh, on Election Day? You're suggesting 324 electoral votes. It will. That means, Newt, that you see Minnesota, what, going his way? Uh, all of yeah. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, even Nevada, potentially. I mean, 324 Nevada. is a heavy lift. And and New Hampshire. And New Hampshire. Wow. I I just, uh, by pure luck, I happened to get on Saturday the uh, Institute for Democracy uh, poll. This is a British firm uh, that's been very, very accurate. Uh, They clearly show Trump in the 320 plus range. Uh, I also that day saw the, the Des Moines Register poll which historically uh, has been considered sort of the gold standard of state polling. And they came out and said that Trump was now seven points ahead, that uh, Joni Ernst, the Republican senator, was four points ahead, and they had a devastating line. They said, it's clear that Biden is fading. Now, the last thing you want going into the last weekend is to be told you're fading. But I don't know if you saw the video of... Uh, Biden and uh, Obama together, where at the beginning, mm-hmm. Obama introduces Biden. Biden doesn't hear him. <laughs> he repeats it. Right. Biden doesn't hear him. Finally, the third time, Biden goes, oh, well, me, comes over. And then at the end of Biden's brief talk, he forgot to have his um, mask on. And, and Obama has to say to him, go get your mask. And he can't remember where he put it. And he looks like a little kid who knows he's screwed up. And I mean, you, you watch that stuff and you think, you know, this, this guy's not capable of being president. That there's something, you know, he's not the person he was five or 10 years ago. And frankly, um, they probably shouldn't have put him out there to, to look this ridiculous. Yeah, it has just looked, I mean, it, honestly, it was like uh, Laurel and Hardy. It was the comedy hour. It was uh, that, yeah. that scene that you're describing. It really was. All right, so new, so so where do we, what are you going to look for specifically on election night early on? As a matter of fact, let's start with Georgia because the, the media is obsessed with Georgia potentially being taken by the Democrats. They love to do this, but is it not a waste of time? I mean, it just seems like an absolute waste well, of time for Biden to be down there. I look, I always tell the reporters, this has come up three or four times this weekend, and I always tell the reporters, why don't you go ask Senator Michelle Nunn? Because right. if you remember... When she ran, everybody, all the liberals in the country knew this was the year we'd break through. Well, we didn't. They didn't. Now, I am told that the African-American turnout is much lower than it needs to be for the Democrats to win. In addition, Trump is now getting, in virtually every poll I've seen, Trump is getting between 14 and 20 percent of the black vote, uh, which is he, he got 8 percent last time. So if he's up at the 14 to 20 percent level and they have a lower turnout, That means the size of the Democratic margin coming out of the black community, whether it's in Philadelphia or it's in Milwaukee or it's in Atlanta, is going to be dramatically less than they need to be competitive. And I think that Senator Perdue in that circumstance will win without a runoff. I think the president will probably carry the state by somewhere between three and seven votes, seven percent. We're seeing the same thing, by the way, in Texas. There was this, this period of is this the year Texas becomes goes blue? And uh, 
there was one poll that said uh, that Biden was within one point. And I, I thought that was so weird. I wrote Carl Rove, who is a pretty good expert on Texas. And he wrote back and he mm-hmm. said, oh, no. He said, we're we're already five points ahead and the margin's getting bigger. Well, um, Trafalgar, which is one of the most accurate firms, came out this morning and said, in fact, uh, Trump's now ahead in Texas by six percentage points and will probably end up mm-hmm. being ahead by about eight when it's over. So you see these yeah. all around the country where the, the liberals talk themselves into something which just turns out not to be real. Newt, how concerned are you that if Trump does win, and especially in the numbers you're talking about, but either way, if he if he wins, what are you expecting liberals to do the morning after, or maybe it's two days after, whatever? It, well, if it's 324, it won't be two days after. But the point is, what are you expecting them to do from a, for, you know, they're boarding up businesses, for goodness sakes, in, in so many different cities? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing a uh, newsletter for tomorrow, which people can get for free at uh, Gingrich 360. Uh, and basically, I'm taking Abraham Lincoln's quotes on the fact that society can't tolerate insurrection. Uh, you know, I think this summer the president was uh, probably because he was running for re-election and because we had never faced it before. I think he was very careful, very cautious. I frankly think he ought to issue a statement tomorrow morning that says that uh, we're going to we're going to do everything we can to take pictures of every person who engages in looting or violence. And you should expect in the next two or three weeks uh, that you will be picked up and arrested and we'll send you to jail for a long time. But we cannot tolerate, no no decent society can tolerate the idea that a group of barbarians get to break the law, destroy property, ruin people's lives uh, and get away with it. And uh, I think that's again, one of the differences between the left, you know, They've had over 120 days of protests in Portland, Oregon. Well, those people, frankly, should have been arrested. Uh, it, it is, it's an assault on everybody who's innocent to allow these kind of people to behave as thugs and to go out and intimidate people and break the law. So, Newt, then, therefore, if that case potentially transpires, then, then, what, then what, where do we go as a nation? I mean, in other words, before I even go back to that, I just want to ask you, uh, before I even get to that scenario, do, do you envision Florida and North Carolina being easy victories? Because I, I did want to ask you that before we leave. You've got about 30 seconds or so. Well, Florida's going to be an easy victory. Uh, North Carolina will be closer, but we'll win. But Florida's going to be very easy. People will be shocked uh, at the size of the president's margin in Florida. Okay, that sounds good. Newt, really appreciate your time. So, really do appreciate that. Thanks so much for coming on. Talk to you soon. All right, that's Newt. Newt. Thanks, Newt. All right, Newt Gingrich with a lot of uh, good information there. He's predicting 324 uh, electoral votes for Donald J. Trump. Look, if it's 324 uh, the morning after, if you will, then Democrats are going to not need anything over the counter at that point. They're going to need to go right to prescription meds, uh, I guarantee you, because that will be a sight to see. We're going to have my predictions. When I say predictions, my paths, at least, as to how they both get there to 270 plus later in the show. All right. We're back in a moment with the former mayor of Baltimore, who will break down the African-American vote. And it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens. We're here in Virginia Beach. Back in a moment. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. 
Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. We are in Virginia Beach this week hosting our election coverage. Big day. You've heard about it, right? I mean, it's Trump-Biden. Yeah, okay, of course you've heard about it. Uh, let's get more about the African-American vote, uh, what Biden needs to do in some of these big cities we're hearing about, like Detroit, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. I want to bring in uh, Stephanie Rollins-Blake, uh, the former mayor of Baltimore, who's been on this show before. Stephanie, really appreciate you joining us here today. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. And I would have joined you in Virginia Beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on down, Stephanie. We got plenty of room down here, after all. Uh, hey, uh, where do I even begin? Why don't we just start in some of those big cities I talked about? Uh, what's the strategy? What do you need to do uh, to get over the hump and get to 270 when it comes to especially the African-American vote in many of these big uh, inner cities in America? I think what we need to do is what you've seen the Biden team do. Uh, with uh, Vice President Biden and his surrogates. Uh, over the last week, you've seen some very high profile, uh, very respected um, surrogates, including the uh, former president, Barack Obama, in these cities, uh, going out to make sure we are activating the voters. We have the voters uh, to, to win this race. We just have to make sure that everyone comes out and votes. What is your sense about early voting? We, we know about mail-in balloting has been strong for Democrats. Uh, there, there's a school of thought that maybe it needs to be stronger. We don't necessarily need to debate that now. But as it relates to African-Americans, the, the numbers I'm seeing are about the same as they were in 2016 as it relates to about 9% overall in terms of the percentage of the early vote. I don't know what numbers you're seeing, but, but are, are you concerned at all that, that the numbers need to be higher, especially going into Election Day where Trump might have a little bit more of an advantage? I'm always concerned uh, because until the <laughs> right. last vote is we, you know, that, that you, you need to keep fighting. Um, I've been encouraged by what I've seen with the early vote. Um, I, there's been so much uh, grassroots work across the country to activate our voters, to mail in our voters, to mail in the ballots early, as well as drop off and um, the, to participate in early voting. So I, I like what, I've, what I have seen. We just have to make sure that there are no shenanigans, uh, there's, there's no intimidation, and that people are allowed to, uh, to vote, to, uh, to take advantage of their right uh, to vote and have their voices heard in this election. Stephanie, I want to give that some oxygen and some voice. You mentioned shenanigans. Explain what you mean exactly, because I think that has been an underreported story. A lot of folks, I mean, if you listen to MSNBC and some of the liberal outlets, they give it a lot of oxygen. But on more conservative uh, networks or conservative radio, you don't hear as much about that. You hear the exact opposite. You hear about the Trump Trump voters are getting you know, voter suppression. I want you to explain exactly what you mean by the shenanigans specifically. So what I mean is uh, it doesn't matter who you vote for. If you're a, a Trump supporter, if you're a Biden supporter, um, there should be no obstacle between you and your ballot. And the challenge I have with the way that, uh, not just the way it's, it, these, um, 
the intimidation has been and suppression efforts have been covered. But really, the way that the president is talking about it, you talk about shenanigans. What happened in Texas yesterday with the with the uh, caravan of Trump supporters surrounding and intimidating the the Biden uh, campaign bus was deplorable. Uh, to to think that this is the president that talks about he's the law and order president to 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 listen to Newt Gingrich talk about leaders as ones that are barbarians when you have people with guns out on the highway uh, trying to run a Biden bus off the road. This should not be tolerated by anyone who, who says that they're conservative, anyone who says that they believe in the Constitution, anyone who says that they're a proud American should be declined, should be calling out these uh, Trump supporters and saying that this is not America, this is not who we are. But when you hear the president talk about having um, these poll workers, these untrained poll workers, which is code for uh, intimidators at the polls, when you hear uh, that, that he's going to have his his lawyers and the people from every agency, government agency that he has, that's what I'm calling shenanigans. And it shouldn't be tolerated on either side of the um, Either, either side of the political debate. Right. So when you say poll watchers, you're talking about when Trump says go to the polls and make sure they're doing things correctly, you're saying that that's voter intimidation. When Trump tells people who were untrained and unapproved to be poll watchers to go uh, in the way mm. that we have seen his supporters go and show up with guns, mm. uh, with the intent to intimidate, that is voter suppression. Got it. Okay. Hey, Stephanie, let me ask you a little bit about where you're going to be looking on election night exactly. I mean, we've talked about Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Detroit. There's other places. I mean, can, can you drill down for me a little bit and say, you know, my eyes are going to this county or this area. And I know there's a lot of different ones and you can fit this jigsaw puzzle a lot of different ways. But can you at least kind of I want to get in your mind a little bit as to what you're going to be watching for specifically on election night? I am going to be looking uh, squarely at Pennsylvania uh, to, to be the bellwether for where this is going. I want to see the counties, Chester County and the counties surrounding Philadelphia. I think the suburban vote uh, will be will really um, be the uh, harbinger for what is to come in other suburban areas across the country. Uh, and I am uh, very optimistic about what I've seen. There have been a lot of efforts, as I said, grassroots effort to get the vote out in those in those areas. And I think that it will begin the, to tell the story of the new beginnings uh, for our country, a new beginning that truly believes that we are United States of America and we are not going to be torn apart by hatred and bigotry and tribalism. Yeah. Stephanie, got about 30 seconds left. Are you concerned at all about potential violence uh, the day after or a couple days after, whatever it happens to be? If Trump, if Trump is reelected, that is going to be a dagger to the heart of liberals uh, and Democrats across this country. Are you concerned that there's going to be violence, uh, riots potentially in the streets? No, and the, the, the thing is that there's no reason to be. We saw what happened before when there was a contentious election and a drawn out uh, determination of who our president was going to be. Uh, in the Bush Gore fight, uh, Bush Gore election, and there wasn't violence in the streets. I think what you've seen yeah. is uh, Trump supporters who are coming out there with guns and, and uh, intimidation. You know, that's what I'm concerned about, and I really wasn't that concerned until I saw those. Um, right. 
Stephanie Rawlings, Blake, always great to see you. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right. When we come back, uh, get inside the numbers. Scott Rasmussen breaks down uh, all different types, types of state polls, especially Pennsylvania. That's what we need to watch. Back in a moment. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody here in Virginia Beach covering the election. Uh, boy, it could be a really long night. Uh, we're about to find out. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania, the key state, obviously, home to the Amish. You know, hey, Amish for Trump, I believe. I think I saw a sign Amish for Trump. Anyhow, that has nothing to do with anything. But I'll tell you what, Scott Rasmussen, who we're going to bring in right now, knows everything about everything. That's right. I just, Scott, I said it. You, you know everything when it comes to these polls. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. David, it's always great to be with you. And, you know, it's, finally, we're at the end of an election. We're at the point where there was a joke in the polling world years ago. It was something like you'd ask your voter a question. If the election if I, if the election were held today, would you be surprised or relieved? And I think we're all saying relieved <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I would agree with you. Here's the sad part. It may not be over when we wake up Wednesday morning. And, and, <laughs> well, that's true. And that's the sad part. All right, so so we've been you've been doing these polls every Monday. Uh, what's the right. what's the last one? Here we go. This is the last Monday. What do you got? Last just the news poll looks just like the one before. For the fifth straight week, Joe Biden is at fifty one percent. He's been ahead by seven or eight points over Donald Trump nationally in every one of our recent justthenews.com polls. Uh, and just to put this in perspective, you know, four years ago Hillary Clinton was leading by an average of three points in the polls. Biden is double that. So it's a, a pretty significant difference from this, the situation we saw in 2016. So that makes me wonder two things. Number one, uh, that, that seven points, obviously it's double Hillary. So even if the polls are a bit off or not within the margin of error, it still gives Biden a little wiggle room there, doesn't it? I just wonder, wonder about that, first of all. It does, absolutely. Uh, you know, the national polls were pretty good in 2016. Hillary Clinton actually won the popular vote by two points, so not bad at all. Uh, if we, we if the turnout among Republicans is a little stronger than we expect, uh, our polling shows that Trump could pull to within maybe five points. But that's still pretty difficult for him to win uh, an Electoral College uh, majority. So what needs to happen exactly? I mean, we know from an electoral standpoint, I mean, I'm going to go through some of the scenarios a little later in the show, but uh, what needs to happen for Trump to actually pull this off? I mean, would the voter turnout model have to be just astronomically high or what would what what's the what's the variable here that needs to change? Well, there's two possibilities. One that I hope doesn't happen is that the polls are wrong because, you know, that's really bad for a pollster. Uh, the other scenario is there has to be very, very high off the charts turnout in person on Election Day for President Trump. Uh, the reality is people who have voted already 
have given Joe Biden a lead. The people who are going to vote on Election Day are more likely to support President Trump. So it will have to be something that we've never seen before in America. So what does that mean, Scott, when you say astronomically high or has to be off the charts? I mean, what is there a metric associated with that? Like what what, what are we looking for specifically in terms of maybe either vo- voter raw turnout or I mean, I'm just trying to kind of get my mind around a number yeah. or is there a number? Well, I don't know that there's particularly a number because it, it, the dynamics change state by state. But here in Florida, for example, uh, my last polling shows the president is trailing by four points. He's trailing by about 11 points among people who have already cast their ballot. Uh, and so he needs a bigger than expected turnout to make up that difference. So I'm expecting about 20% of the voters will show up actually on election day in Florida. If it's much higher than that, the, the numbers are better for the president. When you get to a state like Pennsylvania, uh, you know, we're gonna be looking to see is the turnout on election day much higher in rural areas, relatively speaking, or in Philadelphia. Because if there's nobody turning out to vote on election day in Philadelphia, Philadelphia and the rural voters are all coming to the polls at the last minute. Well, that's great news for the president. But in all of these cases, in all of the swing states, the president is behind in the polls. Uh, So it will be a comeback if he pulls this off. If he does pull it off with this, would you make the argument or would you say this would be an even bigger comeback than 2016? Absolutely. Uh, Not even comparable. Uh, In 2016, a lot of people didn't see it coming because Donald Trump didn't fit the normal political persona. And so many people in the world of politics believed the idea that Hillary Clinton was the most qualified person ever to run for president. You know, that was President Obama's line. Um, In fact, among many voters, Hillary Clinton was the epitome of everything they didn't like about the political elite. Uh, This time around, Joe Biden is not named Donald Trump. He's not named Hillary Clinton. That's good news for him. Yeah, and I would also think some more good news for Biden, less undecided voters this time around, too, right, Scott? That's right. Uh, four years ago on the Sunday before the election, 14% of voters were uncommitted. This year, it's less than 5%. And again, that's just some of those voters won't show up. The rest of them, just going to be a smaller break, uh, a lot less volatility. And let's face it, Donald Trump four years ago was the outsider. He was the person you could vote against if you wanted change. This year, he's the insider. He's lost a little bit of that advantage. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit, drill down on Pennsylvania for a moment. Uh, We had Stephanie Rawlings-Blake on earlier, the former mayor of Baltimore, a Biden surrogate, who said she's going to be looking at Chester County. You mentioned, you know, Philadelphia, uh, that that area. Can can you help me through this a little bit? Because you've got Erie County, Luzerne, uh, you got Northampton, you got some some of that. But then uh, how much is is that important compared to the Philly suburbs? Because I would think Montgomery County and Berks and Chester, I mean, that to me seems like the ball game there you know everybody wants to talk about one place or the other is the ball game it's a it's a it's a matter of degree we know in every election in pennsylvania that there's philadelphia proper there's the philadelphia suburbs and then there's the rest of the state we know that the rest of the state is going to vote for on balance for donald trump we know that philadelphia proper and the immediate suburbs are going to vote for joe biden 
Uh, the question is going to be, what is the ratio? And, and, you know, it's not like you look at a map and Philadelphia doesn't look all that big, but it's the DMA of Philadelphia is about 42% of the population of the state. Um, if turnout is high there, it's very difficult for any Republican. Uh, but look, David, I want to I want to be even simpler about this. You said something earlier in the interview about uh, what happens. We might be we might not know who wins uh, on Wednesday morning. Right. Might be a long recount. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago on your show that it might be three or four weeks before we know who wins this thing. The other mm -hmm. scenario, just so everybody's aware, um, if Joe Biden wins Florida, we should know yeah. that fairly early certainly by midnight yeah. on election night. And if he does, it's over. Yeah, no, for sure. We can all go to Cracker Barrel by nine o'clock. Yeah, Scott, <laughs> thank you. And you, I trust me, I'll be there, Scott. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, Cracker Barrel for everybody. Come on, it's on me, the crew, everybody. Let's go to Cracker Barrel. Or maybe not, because if he doesn't win Florida, it's a long night. Back in a moment. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. All right, big election day on Tuesday. One of the key issues has not just been COVID, 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 as Donald Trump continues to talk about or maybe complain about to a degree. Uh, but he also talks about the suburbs, suburbs, suburbs. You know, that they're, I'm keeping your suburbs uh, safe. And we've got uh, the head, uh, one of the, the key people for Moms Against Safe Neighborhoods, Jessica Anderson, is with us. Jessica, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, I don't even know where to begin other than, look, the, the, the issue that this president is talking about keeps hammering home at all these rallies is exactly the issue that you have wanted to be front and center in this election. And I know a lot of people talk about COVID-19, and of course, that is a key issue, uh, maybe the number one issue for sure. But, but I feel like law and order and all of this is just percolating right there at 1 or 1A in this election. Yes, moms like me and moms everywhere across the country, we want safety and security. We want to feel safe and secure in our neighborhoods, when our children play in the street, when they, if they're fortunate enough to return to school, wherever that may be. And of course, other issues matter, healthcare, the economy, jobs, COVID-19. But at the end of the day, if you're not safe and secure first, you can't even begin to focus on these other issues. And so I think, this topic of law and order is gonna play out. It's gonna play out in the president's benefit tomorrow because he truly is the only candidate on the ticket that can restore that law and order and quell the violence across this country. Well, and you've come to his defense in different ways, but on the airwaves, you're really making a, a splash, a pretty provocative ad, uh, and I, I wanna play this ad. Have, have a look. Riots in the streets again tonight. Police here are outnumbered. The Democrat Congress and President Biden have made massive cuts to police. Protesters now have entered a residential neighborhood. Mom, what's that? They'll defund police. Stop! They'll disarm you. No! Don't let this nightmare come true. 
Moms for Safe Neighborhoods is responsible for the content of this advertising. Pretty powerful, Jessica. T tell me more about it. So what we wanted to do with this with this ad was depict a nightmare, a nightmare scenario that is coming to life, unfortunately, in so many Democrat-run cities across the country. You see what happened in Philadelphia even just this last week, where the violence is just allowed to run unchecked, where Democrat city and state leadership in some places is telling law enforcement to stand down and to stand back and not to allow law enforcement to do their job to keep us safe. So as moms, we wanted to come together and this is really a, a movement of moms just like me and, and moms everywhere across the country that are saying enough is enough. And what we've seen the last six months is just a preview of how much worse it could come should Biden and Harris be successful uh, with the presidential nomination. You know, uh, Jessica, I don't know your background. I'm assuming it's not in data analytics. I may be wrong, uh, but I am curious as to what you're going to be looking for on election night. I mean, I, I know you talk about moms against safe neighborhoods, and then we hear so much about the suburbs. So it makes me think of those Philadelphia suburbs like uh, Bucks County, uh, Montgomery County. Uh, you go into uh, Detroit, you got Wayne County and beyond. Uh, Wisconsin, Kenosha uh, is, is there. You got Racine County and others. So what are you going to be looking for specifically, uh, specifically on election night? I'm going to be looking for the suburbs around Milwaukee, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Philadelphia, and even Pittsburgh. I think these are going to end up being the counties um, that make or break it for the GOP. And these are the, these are the suburban women we've been going after with this message as well to talk about this issue of safety and security, put it front of mind as they go to the ballot box. And I'm hopeful that as suburban voters, suburban women in particular, that they're reminded of this issue, they see it first and foremost, and that drives them to the polls. And I think those sorts of counties are the places to look. It's certainly a suburban issue, um, but it's certainly going to resonate with moms like me and moms all across the country. Are you concerned at all about the changing suburban landscape? And what I mean by that is just more uh, moms that may not be necessarily uh, in tune and getting the, the whole this whole idea. I mean, I just wonder if uh, we, we hear a lot from Democrats about the suburbs and that that, you know, you shouldn't be afraid. But but I, but I wonder if uh, you're concerned at all about we've heard about erosion of the Trump vote in the suburbs and all of that type of stuff. I think it's a farce because I think the reality is is that suburban women are, are very smart voters, but they're complicated. So they look at, at a myriad of issues. They're making choices for their children's school, and with that, they're faced with the COVID lockdowns. They're making choices for um, their finances and, and, and the financial habits and healthiness of their family, and they're looking at this issue of safety and security. So suburban voters are smart. They also take their time to vote. They're one of the voters that waits either until the election day or days right before it. They're not early out of the box early in, in the early voting period. And I think that matters. And it matters because we've seen the violence all the way up to election day. We have cities now like Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, New York, that are boarding up in preparation for violence to come this next week, almost treating it like it's normal. And so Moms for Safe Neighborhoods as a movement of mothers across the country. We don't think this is normal. We want to see the violence quelled. We want to see mayors and city councilmen stand up to the left, not allow this to go unchecked. And ultimately, I think if President Biden, President Biden is successful and we have a Biden-Harris administration, then we're just going to see safety and security plummet 
and that they will do nothing to push back against this violence. It's not going to be good for this country, and ultimately, that's why Moms for Safe Neighborhoods came together. Yeah, you you mentioned the boarding up of businesses and other. How concerned are you that this thing could get really ugly if Trump actually wins? Because I, I got to tell you, um, I know a lot of people that are going to Costco and loading up on a few hundred dollars worth of food, if you know what I'm saying, or more. You know, the fact that we are allowing this this reaction from the left to something that they, they don't like is, is really a, a dangerous turn for our country to take. You know, I'm a mom. When, when I tell my children they can't do something, they whine about it, but they don't go and throw bricks through businesses. They don't go and destroy people's livelihoods or in some cases their lives. And the more we just allow this to happen as a society, the more it's going to erode our civil society. And it hurts those that are trying to peacefully protest. You have two ways to demand change in today's society. You can vote and you can peacefully protest and bring your grievances peacefully before your members of Congress, before all of your elected officials. Yeah. We allow this violence to go on. It puts a slap in the face to all of that. Jessica Anderson, just great to talk to you. Thank you for your insights, Moms for Safe Neighborhoods. Thanks again. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me. That's great. Uh, all right, uh, when we come back, the last sip. And what am I gonna talk about in the last sip? Look, I've got some data download for you. I've got paths for Biden, paths for Trump. How did they get to 270? I'm going to dissect it all. I'm going to be like my own guest, if you will. I'm going to interview myself next. All right, welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time now for the last sip. I wish I had any, I don't. We don't have much time here. I got like three minutes and I've got to go through some scenarios as to how Biden and Trump get to 270. So let's hit it. Parker, let's roll the, the, the scenarios. I don't know. Let's go with Biden. Uh, here's his first uh, way he gets there. Uh, it's pretty simple for Biden. Uh, just look up in the Rust Belt. Uh, you see there, if he wins two of those three states, Pennsylvania and Michigan, they're in blue. So in other words, what he has to do is hold all of the states that Hillary Clinton won. They weren't too many. That's not a heavy lift. And then just win two of the three states uh, up there in the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, Michigan. He will be the next president of the United States. Let's go to the next one. Here's another path uh, for Biden. Uh, this one is interesting. This is where he actually wins Florida. Look down there. See the blue? That's Biden winning Florida. And so look up in the Rust Belt. Doesn't matter if Trump wins Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. That's all red. Fine. Let Trump have it. As long as uh, Biden wins Florida uh, and look to the left over in the West, Arizona, if he does that, uh, then he's going to be the next president of the United States. Let's go to number three. We got to move through these pretty quickly. Uh, Biden again. Another way to do it is win Florida and then look over here to the right up from Florida, North Carolina. If he wins North Carolina and Florida, he's going to be the next president of the United States. Now let's go to Trump. Boy, I'm running out of breath. I'm exhausted. Uh, here's the Trump path. This is his best path here. He holds all of the states that he won in 2016. So he's in other words, he's got to win Florida, North Carolina, Arizona, Iowa, all these battlegrounds, which are fine. Then he's got to win one, one of the three. Here, it's Pennsylvania. If he wins Pennsylvania and keeps all the states that he won in 2016, he will have a second term. Let's go to the next one. Here's another scenario. It's the same thing, except look this time, up in Michigan. Let's say he loses Pennsylvania. Guess what, folks? He can lose Pennsylvania and still win, but he'd have to win Michigan and, of course, keep all the rest of the states. And then we go to another path for Trump. Uh, this is a little bit harder. Uh, let's say, look up in the Rust Belt. Let's say Biden wins. Michigan, there I go again, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Let's say Trump doesn't get any of that. Well, look to the left of Wisconsin, 
Minnesota. Trump's got to win there. He's got to win Nevada. And so you just go on and on. And finally, the last one, let's go to Trump, the last Trump path. If Trump loses Florida, look down there, then he's in trouble, but he can still get there if he can win Minnesota there in the red, Nevada. You'll also have to win New Mexico, which has five points, Oigavolt. That will be difficult. So are there paths for Trump and Biden? Yes. Am I going to be exhausted on Wednesday morning? Yes. Am I going to need a chamomile tea and a big old bath like with bubbles in it? You bet. Back in a moment. And welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, uh, the end of the show, and we save the best for last. Of course, don't tell the other guests who are on the show, but we'll keep that between you, me, and uh, the, our next guest, which, of course, is Nick Ballacy, our Just the News uh, senior reporter. Nick, uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me back, David. Well, uh, you're off. You're off to Pennsylvania. So I've heard something about Pennsylvania. I hear it's going to be a tight race. I don't know. I just read it on Google. Is that true? It's true. It's very close. I'm heading there soon. And I have to tell you, I mean, it could come down to Pennsylvania because if you look at the map, if Trump takes Pennsylvania, he's well positioned to win the Electoral College. And the same thing goes for Biden. If Biden can flip PA back to blue, he's on his way to the White House in many different scenarios when you look at the map. So it could really come down to Pennsylvania. For Trump, I mean, if he wins Pennsylvania, he's got to hold Arizona as well. He's got to hold Florida. When you look back at his 2016 uh, totals in the Electoral College. But, yeah, I mean, the yeah. candidates have been coming to PA quite often on the outskirts outside of Philadelphia. Biden's been there. Trump's been there multiple times. So, uh, yeah, PA is where it's at. Uh, speaking about where it's at, how are the Republicans, where are they at as it relates to the Senate race, uh, Senate races here? I mean, what, they're at 5347 now. Is there a sense that they can hold on or is it fading for them? There's a chance they could hold on to it because there are a lot of crucial races. There's about 12 to 13 races where it could go either way. But you have these major uh, polling organizations like uh, the Cook Political Report saying Democrats are well positioned to take back the Senate. And if that happens, they hold the House, which it looks like they're going to. Uh, they've been able to hold on to it. Uh, they In the 2018 uh, midterm elections, they, uh, you know, they, they, they could keep the House, they could, they could take the Senate, and if they win the White House, I mean, this could be a, a Democrat-controlled government. And, I mean, they may be able to get a lot of agenda items they've been trying to do for a long time through. Uh, a lot of polling organizations are saying it's not looking good for Republicans, but Republicans do have a chance to hold it still, David. I mean, these races are, are, yeah. are tight. A lot of key races are tight still. Well, Nick, we'll check back with you this week, uh, as you might imagine, quite a bit. So th thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. So that's Nick off to Pennsylvania and Wawa. Uh, I'm sure you know he's going to stop at at least three Wawas on the way. Hey, tomorrow on the show, uh, Alan Dershowitz will be here. That's on Election Day. Alan Dershowitz on Election Day? Are you kidding me? That's some good stuff as we pat ourselves on the back. And the White House will have someone from the White House as well. See you tomorrow.